Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I am Chris Marone. And this week we are going to sound a little bit different. We are in the middle of having creating a new broadcast studio in Florida. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I am actually in Palm Coast, Florida. One of the greatest secrets, I think, in the United States as far as places to live. More on that in just a bit. But the, we are in transition. We have a new studio. We're trying to build here, new microphones. We don't quite have all of that yet. And Chris, I know you also are not in your home studio. You are on the other end of this uh, continent, or, or at least continental United States. You're in California. Yep, I am in beautiful Carmel-by-the-Sea, California this weekend, and it is my 10-year law school reunion. So I'm meeting up this weekend with some, some old study buddies. All right, you're in California. I am in Florida, which means it's much later in the day for me. You probably just woke up and still haven't had all of your coffee. But we we bought a beach house out here. Shout out to our 1031 Exchange Company, um, Kyle Mead. They did an amazing job. We got our beach house. We are getting prepared for rental right now. We've been here for a couple of uh, weeks, and we also this is eventually going to be where we uh, have our offices. And so we are trying to get Love a recording it. studio out here. Chris, I'm telling you, this is an amazing place in Florida. I, it is true, though. They say that once you get over the age of 55, which I am not there yet, not even. I close. think by law you have to relocate to Florida. Have you have you heard that? It's Florida or Phoenix, right? Okay, you gotta right. you gotta you gotta go somewhere. It is. They, they're, 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 hey, they are great. Uh, I, I, love, I have been here to, for about now two and a half weeks. I li- nice. I have lived in my house in Kansas City for almost 20 years. Are right, you got that, Chris? Mm. So two and a half 20. weeks versus yep. 20 years. All right. Okay. Down with this. I now know more of my neighbors here in Florida than wow. I know in Kansas City. What does that say about my neighborhood? What does that say about me? I don't know. This is such a friendly place. And I'm telling you, it is a well-kept secret. In fact, a lot of the locals here ask me, how did you hear about us? We are a secret. We want to keep it a secret. Yeah, the don't, weeping, don't come out here. Yeah, the weeping willow trees are amazing. Oh. Uh, you know, If you go down to Daytona, you go down to Port Canaveral, it's basically just plowed over and you have new you have development everywhere. It's old development. Yeah. It's just kind of not as nice looking. But here you have palm trees, weeping willow trees everywhere. I feel like I'm in some kind of resort area, just driving down the street. It is an amazing place. I guess I'm also saying this because our house will be available for rent here in a couple of weeks. So, hey, (laughs) if you are looking for a nice – if you want to be a snowbird, relocate to – Florida for a month or so, give me a call, check out our website, our place will be available. We are only about a two-minute, three-minute walk to the beach, to the ocean, uh, and so you do have beach access from this house, and tennis courts, and so hey, it is a great place to to come and stay. All right, Chris, we have so much to talk about now. Oh my gosh, we, so much to talk about, man. It's ridiculous. Normally, we divide this podcast into two, right? We talk about yep. the law. Yep. And then we have our courtroom quarterback segment. You and I can talk a little bit of sports. Some kind, sometimes sports and interact with the law. Well, today, this past week, it's basically oh. all sports and all law. I mean, this has been an amazing week when it comes to legal matters in the world of sports. So right off the top, Chris, that means there's not a lot of happening when it actually comes to right. <laughs> actual sports, right? Uh, this is right. The, dead, the dead period. Right. Oh, that's a, a kind of a double entendre there, right? We lost two giants to the sports field, so it's kind of a dead period. 
And, Bad pun. Um, that is a horrible pun you just and, said. There. Yeah. And there's and there's really nothing going on, right? The All Star breaks over, so we're just the MLB trade line was kind of you know. Did intense, you just say this is a dead period because two people died? I did. I actually full on said that. Wow! I tell you what, they, they, they have not even had the funeral yet for Vince Scully and Bill Russell, and you're calling this now the dead period. That is, hey, you know what? That's why we bring you on the show. Those kind right. of astute observations. Hey, well, I think. Both of these guys might be local to you. I don't know about Vince Scully. Mm-hmm. Bill Russell is from San Francisco, isn't he? Yes, and Vince Scully was born and raised in San Francisco and then moved down to L.A. to be the Dodgers broadcaster. So very local to me. Very close very close to the Marone family tree. Let's talk about Bill Russell here for just a second. We have Ooh. had conversations in the past about goats. I don't think Tom Brady is the goat. And I have a I have I think a slam dunk reason for why I say Tom Brady is not the goat. Whenever you have people out there in the sports media saying it's unquestioned he is the goat, I'm going, you're an idiot. Shut up. Uh yeah. <laughs> he, he is not the goat. He is he's the healthiest. He's lasted the longest. I'll give you that. But yep. if you say that Tom Brady is the goat, how can you not also say that Bill Russell is the GOAT when it comes to basketball. These are the stats. 11-time NBA champion. Now, do you know how many times Bill Russell lost and did not become an NBA championship? Once? No, zero. I have him as 11-0. Undefeated. Yes. Take take that, Tom Brady. 11-time NBA champion. Two-time NCAA champion. So it's not just back that once he got to the Boston Celtics, he he joined a stacked team and they did really good. No, when he was in college, he won for the University of San Francisco. Who the heck are That's they, right. right? We're not talking like Kansas or Duke or Carolina. We're talking about the University of San Francisco. Two-time mm-hmm. NCAA champion. Hey, let's throw in a two-time Olympic champion as well. And... By- Three-time state champion, California State bas- High School basketball. I did not see that. Wow. So yeah. how is he? We, he should be getting some more love as the greatest of all time when it comes to sports. Chris, I'm just th- why do you think he is not getting more love? Because <laughs> he's not in the modern sports age, right? Back when Bill Russell was playing basketball, it was radio. People sat around the radio and listened to basketball games. Like television was kind of a thing, but Bill Russell also was during that time where the ABA transitioned into the NBA and they were still trying to find a foothold in what they're doing and publicity was le- right. How many, I mean, I don't think you have those stats in front of you, but what, what was Bill Russell's endorsement deals? Right. Did right. Bill exactly. Russell, right. Bill Russell wasn't holding a microphone for Hertz or playing in a space jam video or, uh, having his own shoe company, right? Nike wasn't pursuing Bill Russell at the time. It was still all kind of up in the air about allowing, you know, black men into the league to begin with. And then Bill Russell just dominated, just absolutely dominated. I do want to throw this out there. I think when it comes to the goats and especially in basketball, mm-hmm. there is this discrimination, this bias against players who are the glue for the team. I mean, yeah. the, 
they when we talk about goat, it's always oh, who scores the most points, who right. is the highest score. Let's see the flashiest dunks. That does not win championships. If you're talking about the greatest player, who can look at a team of five to ten players and figure out how to bring out people's strengths, how to pass the ball, how to run an mm-hmm. offense, and in his case, run a defense? He was the entire package. That's why right. he is eleven. He was eleven to zero when it came to NBA championships. And so, mm-hmm. hey, Bill Russell, you well, definitely should a, get. In Bill Russell's time, it was a lot less selfish basketball. Right. If you if you look at, you know, Jordan's Jordan, obviously, is on my goat list. But even if you look at guys like KD, you look at LeBron, you look at Steph, they play some selfish basketball. They make sure they get the ball. They get the highlight reel. They get all that sort of stuff going on. That wasn't the play back then. Right. If you look at like the 1988 Detroit Pistons. Right. Even though Isaiah was Isaiah Thomas is such a hugely selfish player, but it was everybody on the Detroit Pistons that made that team great. Right. It wasn't just Isaiah. Good point. I mean, and to some extent, you look at Jordan, right? He had, you know, he had Pippen, he had Horace Grant, he had Steve Kerr, he had all those guys during those years, but still it was very selfish Jordan basketball, right? Always going to Jordan for the the ending shot, always going to Jordan to make the play. So when Bill Russell was in the league, he was more about making sure that the Celtics, that the name on the front of the jersey was much more important than the name on the back. Well, as you so sympathetically said, we are apparently in the dead period when we it are. comes to sports. So that's why two people have died. And but hey, shout out to Vince Scully and oh, Bill Russell. Voice of baseball. All right. Well, now we've got to talk a lot, some legal news when it comes to the mm-hmm. world of sports. And there was a lot going on these a last lot. couple of weeks. Let's just start real quickly here with Brittany Griner. Apparently, mm-hmm. there was a prisoner swap that was offered. Russian foreign minister... And I'm, I shouldn't even say this. Let's just say he's the Russian foreign minister. That's not trying to butcher Sergey Lavrov. Uh, he said <laughs> last week that he's open to a call with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken to discuss a possible prisoner swap involving the American basketball star Brittany Griner. Apparently, uh-huh. there there was a deal out there to bring Griner home with another jailed American, Paul Whelan, and they're yep. going to trade him uh, or trade those two for a. Convicted Russian arms dealer Victor Bout for Whelan and Griner. So that is, hey, Russia saying we will entertain the the conversation. We'll listen to mm-hmm. you. We get trades all the time when it comes to the world of sports. Maybe there'll be a trade for Brittany Griner and the other American who is also being wrongfully detained, Paul right. Whelan. Any, any thoughts? Well, and we got to note that Paul Wheeler is a U.S. Marine that was captured in um, in Russia. Uh, espionage was his charge. So the stakes are kind of high because if you're tried and convicted and, and sentenced as a spy in Russia, the, the penalty is death, which is what the penalty of death is in America for espionage, you know? Um, so it, it could be a good trade. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's a good trade. I haven't delved that far into it to wonder if, releasing this arms dealer is is the trade we're looking for nor do i think that i should be consulted on affairs of state when it comes to things like this so we'll see on we'll see how hand, it plays out on one hand you could say heck no should you do this trade and you're right. talking about a a convicted arms dealer whose nickname is the merchant of death Love it. Actual death, not just merchant of death when it comes to basketball. Like, get that junk out of here. You swat away an attempted shot. An actual merchant of death. On on paper, that's not a good trade. But here's why maybe it could be a good trade. 
this guy, the Merchant of Death, has been out of the game for several years. I mean, he's been in mm-hmm. prison now, I think, for about 15 years or so, yeah. uh, 15 to 20 years. So it's not like he is actively right now engaged. So you know whoever is doing the arms trading now is it, still going on. Is he really going right. to add to the number of deals going on? I don't think he's still doing his merchant of death business from his prison cell. Maybe I'm naive in that. So we're not talking about releasing someone who's going to the, go out and kill people now that right. are not already being killed. I mean, Maybe I'm just, I don't know, I'm thinking aloud here. Uh, if you can bring someone home who's wrongfully detained of both of them, yeah. maybe I'm leaning towards we, we do that trade. I don't know. I don't want to set the precedent, though, that other states can, can kidnap our key people and try to force trades just because the public cares about our basketball players. That's not a good situation. It's not a good precedent to set, but we will keep our eyes on that matter. All right. Let's now jump into a big issue, a huge legal issue that fell in the the sports and the the entire world's lap this last week, the Deshaun Watson decision. And we've been waiting for this for a while. We've been watching the peripheries. Yes, and it it is interesting. This is even breaking as we talk. By the time this podcast airs on Friday, the situation might have changed yet again. What happened during this last week? First, let's unpack it. So, uh, as you know, Deshaun Watson was alleged to have sexually assaulted um, 25, 26, I forget the number, uh, masseuses. Mm -hmm. And and so they have filed lawsuits against him alleging inappropriate conduct. And so the issue now is he is employed as an NFL quarterback. Well, the NFL is Very well paid. NFL quarterback. Very well paid, though. Apparently not this year. But, yeah, he's a very well paid NFL <laughs> quarterback. And and the NFL is a business. Well, yep. it, you can be fired from your business if you violate certain policies of that business. And from the NFL standpoint, hey, you commit – Looking at Deshaun Watson, you committed mm-hmm. some acts that uh, violate our the terms of our employment agreement, and so you should be punished for that. Well, the NFL has a system that they will they will bring in uh, someone else to rule on this matter, at least at the the trial court level, if you will. So they brought in retired federal judge Sue Robinson to issue the the punishment. Okay. Chris, right out of the gate here, before we unpack this decision, I think it is important for our listeners to understand, yes, we have a federal judge here. Yes, we are kind of in a quasi-courtroom-looking setting where you had a little bit of discovery. You had a situation mm-hmm. where you had witnesses testify, though not all. So we get, we're get we getting this idea that maybe this is like a trial. It's not. Right. When you right. think of due process – Throw that out the window. No, no. We're not talking about due process as you normally think of due process in the world of law. This is a business that is trying to protect the business's brand. It's totally different. For example, in normal courtroom situations, you can't engage in some kind of act and then the court saying, hey, because you you did that act, we're going to say the act is illegal and we're going to write up the law after the fact. Right. No, right, that's right, in our right. Constitution. Those are post hoc laws. You can't do that. The right. law has to be in place first, and then you commit your acts that violate the previously established law, and then you're tried for that violation. Yeah. Not so here. Uh, in fact, yeah. under the NFL's rules, they were allowed to define the terms of these violations after they were committed while the trial <laughs> was going on. 
Of so, Chris, from a legal standpoint, that's absurd. We would never accept that in the world no. of law. No, we would not. We would because no, it's so it is so against the fundamental truths that are our principles of law. The idea of innocent until proven guilty. When you start shaping crimes around the acts that you say you did, that's no longer innocent until proven guilty. Right. And why I think that's a big deal here is the, from the public standpoint, they're hearing things like sexual assault. Okay, that, that's a horrible thing. We think of the crime as sexual assault. As the retired federal judge, Sue Robinson, made very clear in this opinion, several times she said that she said, look, I, we're not dealing with the normal definition of sexual assault. The NFL is allowed to define its own policy terms, and they have done that right. after this violation. The mm-hmm. players agreed to it. They allowed, they allowed for the system to happen. So I am now going to judge. They did. Did Deshaun Watson commit sexual assault as the NFL has defined that term after or during these proceedings? And so it's totally different than what we normally think. So don't think, oh, because he did this, he also is going to be guilty in a court of actual law or in a civil suit. No, right. those are different matters. Their due process does play a role, but here that is not the case. All right, that being said, uh, the retired federal judge, Sue Robinson, did look over what Deshaun did. And she made a couple mm-hmm. of very critical key findings, I think, that are going to be dispositive to how this case is going to eventually be resolved. Right. Number one, she did say, look, Deshaun Watson, you did it. Right. Come on. I, right. You, you, yes. you are not believable. You lied to me. When you say things that you say in front of me, I don't believe you. I think you are a liar. I think you absolutely did this. Those mm-hmm. two things I think are going to play huge in what the NFL is going to end up doing. Now, let me unpack. I spoke in genera- generalities, Chris. Right. I'm a little bit cautious about saying what happened because it does get into a sexual nature. But I guess to be clear, let me go ahead and just lay this out, what Sue Robinson said Deshaun did. Yeah. Deshaun Watson went to these um, uh, massage, massage therapists. She found He found these masseuses on Instagram, which we all can admit, if you are okay. going to find a reputable, um, licensed massage therapist because you are suffering some kind of football injury – you're not going to go to Instagram looking for unlicensed massage therapists. You definitely are not going to go to look for 60 different ones. So this, it, it looks like you never he know. was. You never know. Yeah, I think we all know. I we think all we know. all know. We all know. We 100% know. He also said, look, I, I don't want to use a sheet. I want to use a bathroom hand towel to cover me up. Hold <laughs> on a second. Why? Why do you want to use a bathroom hand towel to cover yourself up? We all know why, right? This is not rocket scientist. As Sue Robinson said, we know exactly what you did to Sean. So he also then said, I never had an erection during a massage. To which Sue Robinson said, that's not even believable. Even the ones who backed you up, the massage therapist who said you were totally legitimate and and, and, um, you you did not assault us in any way, even your friends said, no, you had an erection. When a person is massaged in the groin area, that will happen more yeah, often than stimulates not. Stimulates the blood and the muscles, yeah. Exactly. And so for you to come here and say you never had an erection, Deshaun, you're a liar. And so from Sue Robinson's perspective, Deshaun did this. In other words, he went to get a massage. He specifically wanted to have things happen where he was exposed out there mm-hmm. and that his member was out there flopping around, hitting people in their arms, in their hands, so then that way they would have a situation to deal with. So 
right out of the bat, Chris, a couple things oh. here that are critical. No allegations of rape. And so there was there okay. is a lawsuit out there where it was said, oh, I, he raped someone. That was nowhere to be found in this opinion. So that we're not talking about that issue. Two right. grand juries have been convened and said there is no criminal activity here. I don't think there was rape. Uh, I, I th- When we talk about forced penetration, things like that. I think Sue Robinson nailed it on the head, which is, Deshaun, you are a liar. This was predatory. You went and singled these people out. You wanted a hand towel because you wanted your member to be out there flopping around, hit people in the hands, and that's exactly what you wanted. You set this up, and that's what you got. And so the judge thought that he was a liar. All right, so those were the facts of of the case. Um, So, Chris, were you surprised by the six-game suspension? I thought that was incredibly low. I thought that the judge would have at least suspended him for the year based on h- how much the NFL is trying to protect its brand, uh, other penalties that have been laid out. I thought six games actually really surprised me. Um, just just the lowest of it, right? It's like the guy does what he does and then walks out with a $5 fine. You're like, Here, Here's um, the problem, though. Here's the problem we have. We have precedent that has been set. And as Sue Robinson, she looked through all the previous discipline handed down by the NFL. And she noted, number one, that she was concerned about this lack of due process, that the NFL is kind of making it up as they're going along. Because I don't like that. I like people to be put on notice as to their actions. So she looked at the precedent, previous discipline, and she noticed the distinction between Violent behavior and non-violent behavior, like rape, forcible penetration, things like that. I apologize for using those kind of terms, but she said, look. It's the legal terms. Even think of of the the running back, Rice, who took his girlfriend, drug her down by the hair, right? That kind of assault. Okay, that's violent behavior. She said, even in those situations – the maximum penalty was about six games. And so I'm going to give you the maximum allowed for vi- the previous punishments have been for right. violent behavior. So in that regard, that's what she did. There, here's the problem, though. This is a business. This is not about due process. Right. And I right. think that the sheer numbers here alone of 25 <laughs> people, uh, right. 25 to 30. So this is now is going to go to. The, the NFL has decided to appeal this decision, which, by the way, Chris, right. horrible decision. I know this is just rumor, but it's been reported that right. Deshaun Watson's team was offered a 12-game suspension. He turned that down. Yep. Sure I, I, think, I think that's a horrible decision. Well, Why I mean, you- a, 12, a 12-game suspension for the Browns is the entire season. Yeah, I guess. a twelve. Right. But look... This, do you know who this case is going to be appealed to? An actual magistrate? No. No, Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell is going to decide this appeal. Right. Roger Goodell. Do you know what Roger Goodell's, right. you know, do you realize what his one and only interest is? Protecting the NFL's brand. Exactly. That's all he cares about. He yeah. actually, his salary is, he has paid a percentage of the increase in value in these NFL franchises. It yeah. hurts the NFL brand. It hurts the value. It hurts his paycheck. If the public says we're going to boycott NFL games because you are easy on a sexual predator. We don't like right. that. If you are harsh mm-hmm. on a sexual predator, the public likes that the NFL right. brand goes up. And this will be appealed to Roger Goodell. Right. Well, and you have to look at it from the 
you know, I know that I know that the the magistrate looked at this as past. You know, let's give them the harshest penalty that we've done in the past. But you have to take into consideration the NFL is all over the board in discipline in the past for every single act. Oh, let's look at the violent act. Let's look at the nonviolent acts. Let's look at the the um, John Gruden stuff. Like you look at the NFL's discipline, and there's no rhyme or reason outside of what makes Roger Goodell happy that day. But here's so, the problem. We saw this in Deflategate where I did. remember Deflategate, Tom Brady allegedly yeah. had his people Four game deflate, suspension. Right. The, the, deflate these footballs. And, and so it went to federal court, which by the way, this case is going to go to federal court. Let's talk about that in just a bit, but it went to yeah. federal court. And what the, the two, the lower court said was the lower court said, look, Roger Goodell totally botched this. I mean, it was a federal judge in yep. New York. And that federal judge said that Roger Goodell told, he was his own sheriff in town. He's making it up as he went along. There was new, no due process, no notice. He is a rogue type of, of sheriff. And, and he dispensed his own brand of industrial justice. And so the the federal court there ruled against Raj Goodell. It went up on appeal. And in a two-to-one decision, the Second Circuit said, yes, that's exactly what Raj Goodell did, but guess what? That's okay because the NFL players agreed to it. It was in the CBA. Our only job is to say, did the players in this employment context give Raj Goodell this power? The answer is yes. All right. Case closed, moving on to our next matter. And so here, yes, what this judge said was absolutely accurate. Roger Goodell is dispensing his own brand of industrial justice. He's a rogue sheriff out there. He, uh, If you were to look at the actual precedent that was set from previous punishments, it probably was six games. Roger Goodell is going to say, I don't care. The sheer volume right. of numbers here, I can do what I want. The NFL, the public is demanding blood here. We're going to give him. He is a sexual predator in this regard. And so I think at the end of the day, we're looking at a one-year indefinite or an indefinite suspension with a minimum of one year, and he has to apply for reinstatement after that one year. And I think that whoever was advising um, whoever Deshaun. was advising Deshaun Watson was an idiot for turning down that twelve-game suspension. Well, and if he takes the twelve-game suspension, it dies, right? right. Everything's over. It's done. It's 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 in the past. They'll forget about it in two seasons, and he'll go back to his hundred and fifty million dollar contract with the Browns. But now yeah. we get to drag this out for as long as as long as humanly possible. This may tarnish Deshaun's career for years to come. Right? If you you take the twelve game suspension, you work out, you you become peak physical condition, you stay playing, you know, you stay practicing, you stay sharp, and you're good to go. And just own it. Amazing. All right, there you go. That is the the case of Deshaun Watson. Stay tuned. I'm sure we'll many more developments in that matter. You have a federal lawsuit that will be filed. I think that federal lawsuit probably is dead in the water, dead on arrival. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't see it based upon the Second Circuit's opinion in Deflategate, how Deshaun's legal team has any argument here. Uh, And so I think that they're going to lose that case. All right. Hard. They're going to lose it hard. They're still going to file it. They have to file it. They have to make the good faith effort of filing it, but it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, yeah, and I don't know. It's just going to, again, serve the purpose of keeping the lawsuit alive. 
All right, let's stay in the NFL. Uh, the Dolphins this last week. Do you remember the Dolphins Poor. were in the news lately because Brian Flores filed a lawsuit against the Dolphins and the NFL claiming racism in their employment practice and in firing mm-hmm. Brian Flores. And so when we mm-hmm. unpacked that complaint, you and I, I think we're in agreement, but I know my take was, look, the racial allegations in this complaint don't really have much merit here. I, he, Brian Flores was not fired uh, because of his race, uh, right. and the allegations that he was making just did not make a lot of sense. But what we did say was his allegations of of tampering. So he alleged yes. that that the the higher ups there, the owner and the general manager there at the Miami Dolphins, were tampering with Tom Brady when Tom yes. Brady was a Patriot and then Tampa Bay Buccaneer. That was problematic, and also the tanking charge that he was instructed to tank games. And right. I remember we said those are the much more damaging allegations against the Miami Dolphins. Well, that matter then did go in front of Roger Goodell, and he ruled this past week. And the Do- I, I found this, this decision very fascinating. Here's what the NFL said. Yeah. It's intense. Roger- What's that? It's an intense decision. I think it... I, I don't know. I One, I'm getting a little tired that Roger Goodell has so much power over all the things that we enjoy about football. But two, this is, I mean, they're bringing down the hammer pretty hard on this decision. Yes. All right, so, so here is, keep in mind, our premise here is that the NFL, when they discipline people, they are only, they are not they do not care about due process. They only care about protecting the brand of NFL football. Okay, that being said... The NFL uh, suspended or, or took away a first-round draft pick and I believe a third-round draft pick from yep. the Miami Dolphins, not for tanking, but for tampering with Tom Brady. They didn't find the club owner, Stephen Ross, and suspended him as six games. I believe he was fined $1.5 million as well. As mm-hmm. to the tanking charges, this is what the NFL said. The NFL said they didn't do it. Now, when I first read, I go, okay, he, he he didn't tank then. Um, there sure seem to be some harsh allegations. This is what the NFL said, Chris. I'm going to lay this out because I want to get your opinion as to what the NFL said. Okay, so the All NFL right. said the Dolphins did not intentionally lose games during the 2019 season, but right. they said the statements were made regarding taking but they were made in jest. And so they said on a number of occasions during the 2019 season <coughs> – uh, Ross, the owner, expressed his belief that the Dolphins' position in the upcoming 2020 draft should take priority over the team's win-loss record. Right. Hold on a second. How would you take that? As I should be taking games. <laughs> if the owner of the like, team told you that our draft position should take precedence over a win-loss record, yeah, how else then would you I take should, that? I should take that as I need to position the club to be in a in a spot to go for the highest draft picks humanly possible. Okay. That means I have to lose games. All right. It gets worse here. One such comment is a claim offered by Ross to pay Flores, the, the coach, $100,000 to lose games. You remember that, that allegation in the complaint? And we yes, were saying, sir. look, 
this is a pretty specific allegation. That, that's kind Very of odd. Specific. Who's lying here? Well, it turns out that was said by Ross right. that they should pay Flores right. $100,000 to lose right. games. So you got the owner saying, hey, look, it'd be better if you know our, our draft position should take priority over our win-loss record. You have the team president, Ross, saying, hey, you know, uh, we'll pay you $100,000 to lose games. So how is this not tanking? Here's why. Well, I Roger said, it said jokingly. It was yeah. in jest, Joel. You had to be there. All right. Really? So your employers yeah. say this, and, and the only take by Roger Goodell is, oh, that's a joke? Yeah. I don't understand well, that and, at all. And I, and I think Roger Goodell said it in his opinion about this. It's that you shouldn't even be joking about that. That's why we're going to hit the Dolphins with this hard harsh suspensions and draft picks and all that jazz is that you should not, this isn't, this isn't a joking matter. It is not appropriate to joke with your staff about tanking games that takes away from the integrity of the game. I don't get it. This is the guy, Roger Goodell, who can find whatever he wants to find. He is going to bring oh, the yeah. hammer down on Deshaun Watson, saying, look, you did it. We all know you did it. And here the statement was made, several statements were made about how draft yeah. positions should take priority. We'll pay you $100,000. And your only conclusion is it was a, it was said in jest? Yep. Well, it's Why? all about protecting the brand, right? Uh, if you, pr- you protect the brand, then it's, it's a joke. It's a bad joke, but it's still a joke. Absolutely. I think you are 100% right. It's about protecting the brand. The NFL is making huge inroads right now in the gambling arena. They relocated mm-hmm. a franchise there to Las Vegas, uh, making millions and millions of dollars with gambling. If it was alleged or, or, or found that the NFL was taking games, that would be huge with the gambling. Oh, that'd front. be huge. They, yeah, they could oh, not yeah. have that finding. And so, again, this is not due process. It's not a court of law. This is a business. There is no way the NFL would have said there was tanking going on. That would really undermine its gambling uh, relationships. And so this is almost you knew how the NFL was going to have to conclude to protect its brand. In the meantime, they still brought the hammer down on the Dolphins by by suspending their owner, finding him, and then also uh, stripping the first and a third round draft pick from the Miami Dolphins franchise. All right, anything else before we now leave the world of football? No, I'm pretty good with this. One last thought. You sent me a meme this last week. I know we're kind of backtracking here when we're talking about Deshaun Watson, but if I remember correctly, the owner of the Patriots, who I believe right. is Bob Kraft, was uh, at a went to a Miami brothel, some kind of prostitution yep. place for a massage, and was he actually did. on videotape engaging yep. in prostitution. So here yep. we actually have actual prostitution going on. Okay. Actual prostitution. What was the um, uh, the, the discipline for B- Robert Kraft? Do you, do you remember? Do you want to Google that real quick? Yeah, so Robert, I don't need to Google it because I remember Robert Kraft had absolutely no discipline. Huh. Okay, hold on a second. Weird. The owner, the owner of a franchise gets zero punishment for actually engaging in prostitution. An actual crime. Actually right. committing a crime. And do are we to believe and, and, and to take at face value that that was the first time Roger Kraft ever visited a prostitute? 
I mean, he's a good man. <laughs> he was, just, he's he, unlucky. That's the first time. This kind of videotape. He was a little drunk and a little tired. He, you know, he he blamed it all on his roots. You know, he didn't know what to do, and he just stumbled into a mas- thinking it was a legitimate massage. He brought out a hand towel. He didn't know that he wasn't supposed to be naked. He didn't realize that leaving cash on a dresser was akin to <laughs> prostitution. Come on. All right. So there's a little bit of a uh, hold on a second. What's going on here? That actually was, a, right. you know, a, a violation of law. And it was on videotape. You, Roger, yeah. you, know, you don't need evidence. Again, this is not about due process. You don't need evidence. You know what happened. We all know what happened. You could have brought the hammer down on Robert Kraft. Nothing. Nothing. But, Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, because he's going to get um, uh, the, the hammer down. Which, again, I, I'm not going to um, cry for Deshaun Watson. He did this. He deserves whatever punishment right. he is going to get. Uh, I'm not talking about that, but nonetheless, it's definitely it's interesting how the, there's a disparity between a discrepancy between what Robert Kraft got, which was nothing, right. and what Deshaun Watson is going to get. And that's the problem, right? There's no consistency in the actual punishments for the alleged acts. All right. Let's move on now to what I find to be fascinating. I'm a golfer. I'm down here in Florida right now. going to check out some golf courses here. Why? For my business, I'm going to be renting property. I'm not going to be enjoying right. this round of golf. It is all to find out and, and of offer up suggestions to people who might rent my property as to the good local golf courses. That being said... Phil Mickelson and 10 other golfers are suing the PGA for yep. antitrust violations. As you know what happened here, there's an LIV golf tour, which stands for 54. They get yep. that number 54, not in honor of the Kansas City Chiefs for winning Super Bowl 54, but because oh. they only play 54 holes of golf. Now, Chris, we can talk a little bit later about this LIV golf tour. I'm actually getting excited about it. I got to admit, I'm actually thinking there's something there. This is a great product, and we'll we'll get unpack that here in a bit if we want to. But first, the legal the legal news, and so the PGA does not like this competition. They do not like this LIV tour. They nope. see it as competition. They want to squish out the competition, and so they suspended Phil Mickelson just simply for trying to recruit other players. To join this other league. And then once these players did play in an LIV event, they were all indefinitely suspended from the PGA. All right. Yep. Now, there has been allegations from the very beginning, and I have I have voiced them on this podcast. This just reeks of an antitrust violation. I mean, it yes, just it does. it's kind of hard to pinpoint how. But, man, does it seem like anti-competitive behavior. So, Chris, let's just start with the basics because I think that's what you really need to do. Under the Sherman Antitrust Act, it is a violation of the antitrust laws to have a monopoly. And it's it's even more protective than that. If you attempt to create a monopoly, that is a Sherman Antitrust violation. How is that not what the PGA is doing? The PGA wants to be the only game in town. How is that not a monopoly? No, it's 100% a monopoly. And (laughs) because they haven't had any serious competitors in the market, they're viewing it as not a monopoly, which is, I don't know where they get their lawyers from, but (laughs) obviously not Arizona State University. Um, But... 
it's it's a clear antitrust violation, but they've made billions and billions of dollars, so they're going to protect that all the way until the the wheels fall off. It it seems weird. Uh, I think they are they are in trouble. I think them suspending these players. That's a horrible interesting. idea. Yeah, well, I, I, they're discussing. I was reading this morning as I or I was listening this morning as I was getting ready. Is that the PGA is now looking into Tiger for even having discussions with LIV about switching on whether or not they should punish Tiger for just having the discussion. Wow. First of all, they will not punish Tiger. If they punish no. Tiger, they are shooting themselves in both feet. Uh, oh, yeah. Do not mess. Well, what's next? You're going to go after um, Jack Nicholas? No, no. They right. Tiger and Jack, they're they off limits. They are golf, and so don't mess yeah. with them. Again, dig up Ben Hogan's grave and come on here. But, right. yeah, this, <laughs> this, they, are t- they are trying to uh, create a monopoly, and they want to be the only game in town. Now, at, at a certain level, Chris, we struggle with that because when we own a business, if, if you are a business owner out there, you work for a business or, or whatever, you want right. to be the best at what you mm-hmm. do. So you do try to drive out your competition. That's kind of standard operating procedure. That's how you do things. Um, yeah, we, I don't want them to go out of business, but you still, you get the idea. Right. You want to be the best at what you do, which means you right. want people to give you money and not give money to your competitors. That, that's kind exactly. of the general thought. But still, historically, it's been really bad when someone has been so good at what they do that they're the only game in town. That hurts right. the little guy. It's anti-competitive. And so we have this law that prohibits monopolies and anti-competitive mm-hmm. behavior. That sure seems what the PGA is doing here. It's very anti-competitive. You, you wonder, though, how many friends does the PGA have in Congress? Might they get some help oh and love gosh. with their lobbying efforts? I don't know. We'll be sure to follow this case. Uh, again, I love following golf. And I would, I'm i curious to see how the PGA is going to defend themselves. Now, Chris, it was alleged earlier. I read some article that says, look, this is not an antitrust violation because it's just the PGA acting within themselves. So there is no agreement in restraint of trade. Okay, I get that, but that's not the only way in which you have anti-competitive behavior. Right. Uh, yes, if you and I agree to fix prices, that's an agreement in restraint of trade. But if right. you yourself act as a monopoly, that you don't have to have an agreement with anyone else. That's a violation of the law. Right, and to, and to, to assume that to assume that the the PGA is not in some sort of antitrust issues is you're trying to paint the PGA as some sort of like benevolent organization that isn't out to make money, but to provide a public service. Right. And so they're not, they're, they're there to make a ton of money. They're not aerating grass by walking around it. They're, they're there to make a, a ton of money. So what the PGA is doing is protecting its funds and trying to manipulate the market to only allow them to be the competitor in the marketplace or space. So it's very, at least in my my humble opinion, it is very clear that what the PGA is trying to do is apply pressure to make sure that their competitors no longer have a space to operate in. 
Yes. Sometimes, Chris, the, we look at the finer points of the law and we say, do your actions line up with the finer points of the law? That, that's right. one way to look at the legal process. Another way to look at your legal at the legal process is to, is to look at the facts. You know, those facts are horrendous. Those facts right. scream a violation of law. How does it violate the law? Well, we don't really know just yet, but we will find a way that, that they <laughs> violate the law. Here, yep. the facts scream this is a violation, violation. law. This oh, just yeah. reeks. This does not pass the smell test. It just reeks of anti-competitive behavior, trying to squish out any and all competition to its product so that they can maintain their monopoly status. And I think that in and of itself should dictate the result. I think this will end up as a some kind of violation of the Antitrust Act. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, Chris, you know what? I know you're in San Francisco, so your day is just starting. I am in uh, California or in Florida, so my day is halfway over. So, hey, have a great (laughs) rest of the week, and we will talk to you next week. See you next time, Joel. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.